Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Welcome back in to the Wise 24-7 podcast. I am Tyler Donahue. He is Daniel Gallon, and we are fresh out of the Beaver Stadium press box where we witnessed the Nittany Lions have quite the rebound following their first loss of the season. Uh, 3-0 deficit after the first quarter, but you look at the final score, the overall performance that Penn State put out there, 45-17 win that was quite convincing. And Daniel, when I looked ahead to what our Saturday night and now into Sunday Sunday morning post-game pod might look like this week, there was a scenario where it was going to be a, a troubling conversation for this program. They avoided that. Uh, everybody gets to kind of take a foot uh, away from the ledge a little bit here. We've got a lot to dissect, but this was very much a get-right game at the right moment for these Nittany Lions. Most definitely. Uh, I was looking back through uh, my, my predictions and, and what I wrote before the game, and I was wrong. <laughs> um, like I, I thought that we would see a little bit of, of struggles from Penn State uh, based on kind of what we've seen these past few years in terms of these things snowballing one loss into two into three um, and Penn state came out the other side uh, with a big win. Like you said, it was a three zero game at the end of the first quarter. You look at it uh, a couple hours later, it's 38 to 10 uh, Penn state really was able to uh, take advantage of what Minnesota gave them. Uh, and they really ran away from it. Um, so all things considered super impressive win. And I think it sets them up very nicely for, for what's ahead. Yeah, number 16, Penn State, uh, in this matchup, did not have to deal with Tanner Morgan, who, of course, they saw a few years back and has been Minnesota starter for some time, a six-year senior. Um, on the other side of the, of, the, of the process here was six-year senior quarterback Sean Clifford getting that starting nod for the Nittany Lions. Number 40, uh, 40th start in his Penn State career. Uh, we talked a lot about this week the kind of conversation that has been speculated upon and really has, has kind of taken over uh, in the past six, seven days. And is can Sean Clifford remain the quarterback for Penn State uh, if they intend to get better over the course of this year? Have they reached that kind of a ceiling? And certainly there was an answer from Clifford this week. And, and we found out uh, that that there was a pain management 
situation with him. We don't know the the details of any kind of injury, but James Franklin said after the game today, it's not a structural thing. It's a pain management kind of process for Sean Clifford. And that was like worst case scenario because we were envisioning a, a, a possibility where James Franklin sends out number 14 for his 40th start and kind of replay of what we see in the past where he's not physically up to the task. It sets Penn State behind. And three possessions into this one, Daniel, two punts, two three and outs, and an interception on a poorly thrown ball downfield on the really the only early shot they took looking for Parker Washington. And the booze were coming down from Beaver Stadium. And quite frankly, they didn't start during the game. They started before the game when he was announced as that starting quarterback. So he answered the bell today, but we've got to we've got to acknowledge that Beaver Stadium, a, a large percentage of, of this fan base, it seemed uh, they were they were at a boiling point today. And Sean Clifford, to his credit, turned the heat down in a significant way. Things really could have gone sideways uh, when you look at the the whiteout environment. What Penn State and specifically Sean Clifford had done over the over the past two weeks, or really even since that Central Michigan game, um, you know. People were a little restless, it felt like. And then when you go three and out on your first two possessions, uh, when you, you know, throw that that bad interception, uh, especially with what happened last week where Penn State couldn't stay on schedule, couldn't stay ahead of the sticks, um, I think that we kind of thought that, ooh, like this might be a similar type of offensive performance. Uh, the biggest difference in the game was that Minnesota wasn't doing what Michigan was able to do um, early on. Uh, which obviously I think helped that Penn State offense, but the I was a little bit surprised to hear hear the booze pregame. Uh, I thought that maybe it would have been a little bit more of a, a muted response um, as opposed to a, more negativity. Um, but then when you go three and out twice to start uh, start the game, when you when you throw that kind of interception, um, you know I think you're going to get that kind of reaction. Yeah, it's it's not a surprise to hear that. Um, so I, I thought that Sean Clifford really did a good job uh, answering the call. I think that it's something that we've kind of learned about him uh, over the course of his career. You know, when you put him in the corner, uh, when his back is up against the wall, when it's no one is believing in him uh, at this point, that's when he steps up. I mean, four touchdown passes, 295 yards, 23 or 31. Um, I mean, outside of that interception, um, the – the mistakes you know, felt pretty few and far between. He wasn't sacked. It was just a very, very solid outing from Sean Clifford, a little bit closer to what we were seeing in those, those first three weeks uh, of the season uh, last month. Yeah, just like when you think you're maybe at the, the, the breaking point with Sean Clifford, maybe you're at that pivot moment where the program takes, takes a turn and looks elsewhere. No, uh, I mean, James Franklin didn't lend any credence to that over the course of this game week. And certainly after this game, he was very adamant when asked about uh, his reaction to the to the you know, the negativity um, when Sean Clifford was announced when they had the early struggles. He did not touch that, but he went off for a while talking about how much he respects Sean Clifford. And it's not really a surprise. Uh, James Franklin said this week that he has earned the right to be on the field. Uh, and, and I do want to make this point, um, you know, coming off four touchdown performance, um, his completion percentage today was at 74%. It was at 44% cumulatively in the first couple of games against October. With all that said, and they needed this bounce back, and no one individually needed it more than Sean Clifford did at the quarterback spot, uh, but I don't think he's going to necessarily sway the jury based on what happened 
for a few hours tonight in Beaver Stadium against this Minnesota squad. Um, there's really nothing I think that he could have done uh, tonight to get the the taste out of people's mouth to, to kind of get the maybe the PTSD from some of the experience they've had with Sean Clifford led offenses in the past. A lot of it's going to come down to next week against Ohio State. It, it, it's a matchup uh, that, that's going to have a lot of eggs in that basket in a lot of different ways. But for Sean Clifford, I think at least it quells some of that noise. Um, it lends credence to, to James Franklin's decision and Mike Yersich's uh, comments this week to, to, to stick by their man and, and, and stick by him in, on a week like this when you could feel the team maybe teetering a little bit. And what happens on Saturday is going to determine a lot about their trajectory over the course of the remainder of this season. And speaking with uh, players and coaches and hearing from Sean Clifford after this game, um, they're aware of the noise. They're aware that there are people who would like to see him removed from the from the equation at this stage of his career. Um, but he's also <laughs> not ready to step aside. And Penn State, uh, they are certainly willing to to keep that investment in place. And it's going to remain the Sean Clifford show at quarterback um, for at least another week here in Penn State. It's 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 always feels like we're on the verge of of maybe shifting that conversation a little bit further at quarterback. But uh, this has really kind of put a pin in that for right now. We did see Drew Aller late six, six games that he's been involved with now, but this is not a week looking ahead now that, that it's appropriate. It would seem based on what we've heard from the staff and what we've talked about any kind of QB controversies talk needs to be set aside in this moment. And we'll see what it looks like coming out of the following matchup. Yeah, I, I didn't really expect it, that we were going to see Drew Aller in a blowout tonight. Um, I thought that if you told someone coming into this game that Drew Aller is going to play, um, <laughs> I think a lot of people's uh, minds would have gone towards the the negative that things weren't going well. Um, and that's why we, we would see the freshman. But Penn State got out to that really, really big lead. And then you can you can turn it over to the freshman, get him some reps in the whiteout. Um you know, they did some interesting things with the offensive line in front of him with some younger guys, um, and they were able to, you know, get some of these reps, get experience, get some more seasoning for for a couple younger guys, uh, which, you know, you don't normally pencil that in for for some of these Big Ten games. And I think that with what we kind of expected out of Minnesota, I don't really think we expected to see that either. Um, but a big reason for that was Sean Clifford, um, the four touchdowns. Um, you know, the throw to Tyler Warren and the throw to Theo Johnson. He got the tight ends involved and found them, um, made good throws to them. And then I thought that the the touchdown pass to Mitchell Tinsley uh, was just a very good veteran play um, where I feel like a lot of times with Sean Clifford, there's the, the screenshots where someone's wide open and he's not looking at them or, or he's throwing the ball elsewhere. Um, but this was one of the occasions where, no one was covering Mitchell Tinsley. He was wide open. Tinsley saw it. Clifford saw it. I think all of Beaver Stadium saw it. And they were able to, to take advantage of that easy thing, um, which for a team that sometimes makes things just so hard, uh, I thought that that was a, a very, very good uh, takeaway from this. It, it was a take what's available to you kind of performance from, from Sean Clifford. Now they did take some shots, which was, uh, you know, really great to see from a Penn State fan perspective because you're able to capitalize on on tremendous catch from Tinsley, as you referred to that. And and, and Parker Washington's touchdown was as good as any grab that we've seen from a Nittany line over the course of this year. And really an important moment for Parker Washington as we kind of look for him to, to, to go for launch here. And we're at the point now we're in a mid late October. He's running out of time to do that. Maybe this is this is kind of 
of a turning point for Parker Washington and his season. He had 70 yards today. Uh, the yardage totals haven't been there, but when you, when you come down with a grab like that in a moment like that to put the game away, put it on ice essentially, it says a lot about the, the that confidence that Clifford has in Parker Washington and a receiver going up and 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 for a contested catch and, and bringing it down. Uh, you know, it's, it's a strong moment that we haven't really seen a lot of uh, from this passing attack. But you mentioned the tight ends and. Let's go to there because it wasn't the Britain Strange show as it was all through September. And lately, it hasn't been much of anything from the tight ends in the last two games. That changed in a big way today. Theo Johnson was all over the place. He reached the end zone. Tyler Warren scored his first touchdown of the season. And overall, on a week that that was another kind of subplot as we kind of parsed through the offensive shortcomings. It started with Sean Clifford in the quarterback spot. And what do you do there? And maybe next on that list was... How are you going to maximize your skill sets on this offensive roster, specifically at the tight end uh, uh, position? And that's another spot where they checked off the list and made you feel pretty good about Penn State um, following a week in which you felt pretty bad in that regard. We, we've heard so much about this tight end room, um, and you were kind of waiting for it to, to really kick into gear. You know, Brenton Strange had his games earlier this year, but Theo Johnson and Tyler Warren uh, were both you know, more sort of bit players. Um, and that changed. Uh, Theo Johnson came in with two catches for 19 yards. Uh, and on one drive, he had two catches for 43 yards. Um, I think that was the field goal drive. So, you know, when he got the ball in his hands, he was able to make big plays. He talked earlier this week about wanting to add value. Um, and I think that he really did that. Um, he showed what he can do. You know, five catches, 75 yards, a touchdown, long catch of 25 yards. Uh, I think that he's a playmaker um, and and he really showed it. But I think the fact that he and Tyler Warren uh, were involved, they got the ball in their hands, they made plays. Um, I think we got kind of the, the classic dirty work performance from Bretton Strange where, you know, he's lead blocking for, for Katron Allen uh, in the, the off tackle uh, out of the T formation um, and off to, you know, take a closer look at him. Uh, when when you watch the game back because the the stats weren't there but he's someone that I think has put himself in the position where he can he can really contribute um, so I was looking back through the the numbers and thought there are some interesting parallels to the whiteout last year um, where I think it was I think it was eight catches for 130 yards two total touchdowns for the three tight ends uh, today was seven catches for uh, I think 118 yards and and two touchdowns so, you know, the, this position group that showed up in the whiteout last year against Auburn showed up in the whiteout this year against Minnesota. Uh, I think the bigger difference will be, uh, you know, what will really tell the story is what this looks like moving forward. You know, after the game, James Franklin said that uh, they didn't put any extra emphasis uh, on, on the tight ends. It was just kind of what Minnesota was giving them, you know, where <laughs> I think Franklin worded it as where the defense was telling Sean Clifford uh, to, to throw the football. Uh, and that was the tight ends this week. Who knows what it'll be next week. But I think that this group shows that if you can get the ball to them, um, that the the offense you know can can move. You you can advance the ball. They're also capable of making big plays, and they're they're very valuable uh, to what Penn State can do. We'll be right back on the Lions twenty four seven podcast. Okay, picture this: it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. 
conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Coming into this matchup, those two tight ends and Theo Johnson and Tyler Warren had combined for six catches, 58 yards, no scores on the season. Uh, tonight, that changed in a big way. They combined for 108 receiving yards and a couple touchdowns. And, and last Saturday... Sean Clifford in this Penn State offense, there was completions uh, to four different tight ends slash wide receivers over the course of that entire game. Four different tight ends and wide receivers got into the end zone against Minnesota. So, again, it kind of talking about just how different of a performance this was for Penn State and, and Sean Clifford, who, by the way, I don't think we gave the official stat line, but 74% completion, 295. Uh, that's the most passing yards for him in a game this year. Four touchdowns. He had the ugly interception early. Uh, things were pretty ugly generally for the Penn State offense early. But another kind of pick-me-up moment here as we go through and review what changed from last Saturday to this Saturday was what happened on the ground. And it was those two freshman running backs heavily involved. Kevon Lee was out in pregame warm-ups, uh, was not involved there, but he was out in uniform. And by the time we saw him for the first half, uh, he was at, he was in street clothes, and it was apparent that it was going to be the Singleton and Allen show. Uh, Nick Singleton, Daniel, 13 carries, 79 yards. He had a 30-yard touchdown that, again, helped create all that separation in the second half. Um, but he also had a 22-yard reception in this game where he showed off what he can do with the ball in his hands. That 22-yard pickup through, through the air was his longest gain uh, going all the way back to the Auburn matchup back in September 17th. So he had a couple big plays over the course of this one, and it was Catron Allen with more of the same kind of uh, ability to, to go average five yards on the ground while getting 15 carries, 77 yards is where he finished on the day. Um, and, and I'll tell you, after both these guys had six carries um, for less than 20 yards against Michigan, collectively they've averaged less than four yards per carry against Big Ten opponents coming into the matchup. They achieved that balance today that we wondered, was that slipping away from them? The, the kind of balance that we thought they might be capable of, of doing offensively in 2022. And Sean Clifford felt like they played their most complete game offensively of the season today in a 45-17. And you look at the these stat lines for the running backs. Uh, Katron Allen, no lost yardage. Nick Singleton uh, lost two yards. Um, I think that they both of them, especially Allen, had done a really good job of, of that early in the season. Um, and then the past couple of weeks, that was a little bit more difficult. Um, it, it wasn't quite quite the same. So I think this running game really got back on track. Um, Katron Allen had uh, that one run where he makes a really nice cut and then trucks uh, the defensive back. Um, it was just like a, I, I worded it, it was thunder and lightning on the same play. Um, and he was running really hard, really aggressive. Um, it seemed like he was really a tone setter. Um, and then Nick Singleton, like you said, this he hadn't had a gains this long since since the Auburn game. And in that game, it was just so tantalizing what he could do. Um, and then we just hadn't really seen it over the past three games. And 
that 30 yard touchdown run that he had to really ice the game, just ran it up the gut, got through and then just ran away from everyone. Uh, mm-hmm. I thought that that was a very, very special run. Um, you know, not something that you can see many guys do. And I think it was a good reminder um, of, of the ceiling uh, of Singleton of Allen and kind of what this offense as a whole can look like um, if all the different pieces are clicking, if things are humming. And tonight was a good reminder that they do have talent on this football field. Guys get the ball in their hands, can do things with it. Uh, Nick Singleton had the 30-yard touchdown, the 22-yard reception. Uh, Katron Allen was able to go for 14 on a carry. Theo Johnson had a 25-yard gain. Parker Washington, 35-yard touchdown. Tyler Warren, a 38-yard touch, uh, touchdown. These are the kind of, of numbers that we've been kind of looking through the stat sheet for for Penn State, even when they were winning games uh, for these explosive kind of plays. And, and you saw that in a big way today, um, forcing the pre-snap penalties. James Franklin was able to give a lot of credit to, to his uh, Beaver Stadium crowd. Um, certainly they put, played a role. Also the fact that Tanner Morgan not able to go. Um, you got a quarterback on the other side, first career start in this setting, 109,000 plus announced crowd in Beaver Stadium. A little bit reminiscent of what we saw from Penn State's former backup quarterback on the road last year when, when he was thrust into a spot. Um, hate to see that, but Penn State was able to benefit off of it. And ultimately, defensively, Daniel, uh, Mohamed Ibrahim was able to, to get his 100-yard game, and that makes 15 in a row for him in games that he's played. But he took 30 carries to get there. And for those who listened to our pregame podcast with Ryan Burns, who covers Minnesota for 24-7 sports, he said it was going to take Ibrahim 30 to 35 carries um, in this matchup. But he said it was also going to take 200 to 220 rushing yards. They held him to 3.4 yards average. And overall in the day, seven TFLs. I thought it was just a a tremendous thing, not just getting those pre-snap penalties, but they were able to prevent Minnesota from staying on track, staying on that course by getting some of these tackles in the backfield. And that's not something that the Golden Gophers had dealt with much over the course of the first six games of their season. Ibrahim barely got over the line for that 100 yards. 102 um, had a touchdown, but only a long run of, of 13. And, and like you said, that 3.4 yards per carry really stands out. We talked about it coming off last week. Minnesota can do could do similar things to Michigan in terms of using their offensive line, wanting to play physical, and having a, a running back that, that is hard to bring down. I think we still saw it early where Ibrahim is someone who was always falling forward, um, was inviting the contact, was willing to take it on uh, and, and push forward. And Penn State was, was up to the task this week. Um, you know, I think that last week, you know, I think Jair Brown called it a wake-up call uh, in the postgame last week, and I think the defense came out and they were really aggressive. They were they were swarming to the ball, and the tackles for loss I think was something that, especially with how they played last week, that was really welcome to see. Um, I think Adisa Isaac talked about wanting to play more vertical, um, and that was something that th- that they really focused on, and and that really showed up with having guys in the backfield, um, you know, guys going to the ball. Um, there's a play action pass. Uh, I was actually the touchdown pass that, that Penn state gave up. Uh, but Tyler Elsden absolutely crushed Muhammad Ibrahim, uh, on the fake. And I thought that that was kind of, and even though the play, you know, Penn state got fooled, Brevin span forward made a really nice play, but I think that was kind of indicative of the focus that they had on Ibrahim of how they wanted to stop the run of how they wanted to be physical of how they didn't want to be bullied this week. 
and they were really up to the task. We heard all week from the players, and I'm sure Manny Diaz would have told us the same thing if we were able to speak with him, uh, that they were kind of blessed with an opportunity to go out and play a team that was going to try to attack them in the same way. And I say blessed because they were able to kind of show, hey, we're not going to be used as a battering ram on a weekly basis. We can stand up against this. Jair Brown seemed to describe this week, and talking to him post game tonight, uh, described this week as kind of uh, the defense – finding itself all over again and kind of working its way back to that confidence level. I think you could see before this matchup, especially on the defensive side of the football, the body language was in the right place. Uh, it helps when you have the whiteout crowd around you. But last time we saw this team on a field with the opponent, their body language was in a really brutal spot. And, and, and so I think this defense, um, I, I had a feeling Manny Diaz was going to work his way back uh, into the good graces of the fan base uh, tonight, and he was able to do that for the most part. Um, and and a big part, a big decision that was made was going with uh, three box linebackers for much of this matchup. As James Franklin said, they moved Abdul Carter into the starting lineup first time in his career. He's essentially played a starter share of snaps for much of his freshman season, but got that starting nod this time. And and Curtis Jacobs moves moves back over the same position that he held down all last year and Tyler Elston at Mike linebacker and Franklin said, you're not going to see a lot of teams play three linebackers with these kind of toolbox skill sets um, over the course of a game. But he felt like the matchup in this situation against Minnesota, the way they were going to approach them dictated that necessary, that, that uh, approach. And so I'm curious, one, what you thought about that maneuver and two, you know, whatever, whoever they're playing week to week, whoever they want to attack you, uh, kind of liked what we saw from those guys sharing the field. So uh, it's something to, to certainly chew on moving forward. It was really a, a pleasant surprise, uh, I think. Um, I think that sometimes Franklin can get pigeonholed as someone who's a little bit stubborn uh, and that there's there's a lot of loyalty. Um, and I think that we saw it. We've talked about this before where under Brent Pry, you just kind of knew what you were going to get week in and week out from that defense. Um, it didn't really seem as, as flexible uh, as what Manny Diaz has shown so far. Um, so it was one of those things where in, in pregame warmups, uh, you're looking at how the the defense and the offense, the the order that they're going through things. Um, and suddenly you look out there and it's Curtis Jacobs and Abdul, Abdul Carter and Tyler Elsden. And it's a combination that we haven't seen before. And they'd announced Jonathan Sutherland as a starter on the video board. And so to see Abdul Carter out there for the first snap, I thought was, was pretty cool. Um, and I think that it paid off. I mean, Curtis Jacobs, 14 tackles, two tackles for loss, Abdul Carter, eight tackles uh, with a half sack that he split with Daquan Hardy. Um, it was just a very uh, impressive performance by, by those two guys. It just felt like that they were really around the ball a lot. Um, I think that Curtis Jacobs can play that Sam position very well um, because his with his athleticism and, and his kind of build, he can run around in space and, and make things happen. So I was really pleased with it. Um, I thought that it was a it was an interesting combination. Um, and you know, James Franklin was asked about it this week uh, on Wednesday and kind of gave the the rationale for why it, it might not make sense. Um, and then so to see it. Um, I thought was was an interesting little wrinkle for the game plan. And I think that's just what you want to see from a team that was coming off something uh, like what happened last week. Obviously, you know, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again. 
and they knew that they were going to see something similar from Minnesota and Manny Diaz and the defensive staff did something about it. So I think that that's a, a really big positive, both in terms of players on the field, getting Abdul Carter onto the field where he can make things happen. And then from the perspective of, okay, they did try to change something. They did learn something from, from a game like last week. I think that that bodes well as you look forward and another tough task next week uh, that could put you in a similar situation in two weeks when, depending on how next week goes, okay, you have to adjust again um, after you know experiencing you know, another top five team. What can you take away from it? So I think that things, I think you can be kind of cautiously optimistic um, about the defense given what they did and how they responded both in terms of you know, scheme, strategy, and from the personnel side. And they did it without Shop Robinson on the field. I mean, he was uh, a guy that, that certainly stood out to us as everyone's gathering for pregame warms up, warm-ups, and he's on the side not taking part in that. He has been so effective, uh, you know, not necessarily seeing it pile up in the stat sheet thus far, but uh, flashing just as much as anybody off the edge to this point in the season for Penn State. We'll have to follow up. That was not brought up in the conversation with James Franklin in the postgame press conference. I'd imagine it will be early next week uh, about his status for the next matchup. Um, by the way, no Landon Tengwall at left guard. That meant another start for Hunter Norzad, the Cornell transfer. We got some things to work through on the offensive line because Salim Wormley wasn't out there for much of the matchup at right guard coming into the day. He'd play as, as, as much as anybody uh, on this offense in terms of snap to this to this stage of the season and then Kevon Lee as we mentioned uh, not available uh, today snap count piece will be up on Sunday uh, our breaking down what we saw what we learned from that snap count for our VIP subscribers uh, but Daniel when we kind of go through and, and some final thoughts on this defense yeah Jair Brown uh, come away with the takeaway overall um, gives give credit to Minnesota for, for producing some chunk plays um, and, and they kept battling. They were able to get a touchdown later in the contest against, uh, you know, kind of a, a defense filled with backups for the Nittany Lions. But I thought really something that you and Mark alluded to, the leadership, the veterans, Mark kept saying it. I think I trust this veteran group to, to deliver it. I thought defensively, we talked a lot about Clifford, but Mustafer up front, Jair Brown to the back, think Joey Porter is really coming into his own as a guy who, who takes on the identity of this defense. They got up off the canvas and I thought they delivered a, a punch of their own and the big test comes next week, but I loved it. I, I just loved the way this defense was able to, to come up. There was no signs of lingering self-doubt. There were no signs of lingering uh, bumps and bruises. And I would have understood if, if they had that because they just gave up 418 yards on the ground. Yeah, I think that you look at what they did, and we've talked about this before with the spiral and the snowballing. Um, you know, Michigan ran all over them. Are they going to let someone do that again? And they didn't. And I think a lot of the credit goes to that leadership. Um, I think I had a conversation earlier this year with with Mark and, and maybe with you about the leadership. And I think that this year it it feels a little bit different in terms of the type of leaders that they have. I think that um, you know, it's not necessarily more relaxed, but it's a little bit more like Jair Brown feels a little bit more easygoing. Uh, PJ Mustafer, um, you know, we saw him being super serious uh, after the Michigan game last week, but he's someone too who has a naturally gregarious personality. Um, and I think in the past, uh, some of the leaders were a little bit more on the the quiet intensity side. 
Um, and I think that that's something that, you know, there's always a time and place for it. But I think that uh, with some of the leaders and some of the captains this year, I think that they're they're in a position um, to maybe uh, absorb things like last week a little bit better uh, to process it um, and to maybe kind of diffuse it um, a little bit better. Um, and, you know, they came out and they did really well, uh, I think, in that front. And I think some of it, too, goes back to the other side of the ball with Sean Clifford, um, where, you know, say what you want about him. I think that he's someone that everyone on that team feeds off of. Um, I think part of that is because he's the quarterback. But part of that is just because he does over and over again what him personally, like what this defense needed to do uh, in terms of, you know, throwing an interception, coming back and playing, you know, uh, yeah, a very clean game for the most part. You know, he's kind of a, a microcosm in, in one game um, of what the defense and other you know, parts of the team have to do on a, on a week-to-week basis. Um, so I think that you know, it's intangibles. I think that this is a spot where, where that comes through for you um, and can really get you back on track and, and put you in a position to have success when there's a chance that, that things could go haywire again. Yeah, Minnesota came in as a team that really uh, performed well on third down among national leaders in that category. Today, two of 13. Uh, Kirk Shirak has got a lot to talk over with his young quarterback. We'll see what awaits them and Tanner Morgan moving forward. But Minnesota has now lost three in a row. Penn State back on the upswing with a W. Hosting number two, Ohio State. Ohio State had no issues with Iowa today. They're going to come in unbeaten Will the Buckeyes next week. And Penn State, though, all three phases. Good day from the special teams. James Franklin said it time and time again in his postgame press conference. He was very pleased with this performance. And I think we've got to give this coaching staff and this group of players credit because in covering this program, uh, that 0-5 start was kind of its own beast in, in, in the nature of what that 2020 season was. But this week, Daniel was about as intense as I have kind of felt the microscope on James Franklin, on Sean Clifford, on the offensive play caller, on the defensive play caller even, just collectively of what a letdown performance in this stage would have meant for the program. Instead, you're coming out of this convincing victory. As you'll read on lines 24-7 in the hours and days to come, a very uh, impressive experience for recruits who were on campus, and there were a lot of them, uh, regional guys, from across the country. Uh, check all that coverage out at lions247.com. And of course, we have a ton of coverage uh, coming out of this matchup about the Nittany Lions. Uh, Daniel, appreciate it, man. It's it's well after 2 a.m. now. Um, so we, we got it done here and another late night podcast, but uh, we'll talk to everybody really soon. Lance Glenn behind the scenes, staying awake with us as well. Uh, we are back with another episode on Monday to kickstart Ohio State Week here in Happy Valley. Penn State approves to 6-1 and one with a 45-17 victory in the whiteout. This has been the Lions 24-7 podcast. We'll talk to you soon. Should you ever set foot outside of the hotel, you will be shot. Don't miss the new Showtime limited series based on the international bestseller. For the last four years, I've been a prisoner. Why are they keeping you here? Starring Emmy Award winner Ewan McGregor. This is the brave new world that you dreamt of. Be very careful. You are still a prisoner here. Everything in this new world comes at cost. This is still my country. A Gentleman in Moscow, now streaming on Paramount Plus, only with the Paramount Plus with Showtime plan.